0: So what I want to do today is, and I don't think we'll get through all of it, Jen mentioned the word positioning the whole of the time that she was up here, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we continue to position ourselves for growth? I loved what she said, how do we continue to align our hearts because God brings growth? The heart of God is growth. That is the heart of God. Individually, corporately, within us, through us. In Genesis chapter 1, 26, it says, With Adam and Eve, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Increase. In Genesis 9, 1, even after sin had entered the world, after the fall of man, God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. In Genesis chapter 12, he calls one man Abram, and he says, I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation. In other words, you're going to increase. And so we see the whole book of Genesis is God dealing with one man and then his descendants. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and I include Joseph in that. And he takes one, and in the end of the book of Genesis is 75. Increase is happening. And God's dealings, with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And we know that in Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, their wives were barren. They were not able to, in the natural, have children. Yet God had promised "You would make him a great nation. Because God is saying, I will do this. This will not be the work of your hand. This will be the work of my hand. And so for years they were barren, and then God enabled them to have children. And the same with Joseph. We see all that Joseph went through, all the ups and downs and But yet God is faithful to his word, is he not? Amen. So in the New Testament, we have Jesus come on the scene, our Lord and our Savior. And he comes and he's declaring the kingdom of God. He comes to declare a new covenant. He comes to declare that because of his death on the cross, we will be able to do what he is doing and what he did and what he's currently doing. And so in the sense, in my terminology, I say he was the first Christian. He was, Jesus Christ. He comes on the earth declaring the coming of the kingdom, what it looked like. He demonstrated the kingdom. He then called 12. That 12 went to 72. The 72 went to 120. And then in the book of Acts, there were 5,000 when Peter preached his first sermon. Increase. It's not so much about numbers. It's about the kingdom of God advancing in our lives and through our lives. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Again, just an increase. In John 15, when Jesus is saying, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. And if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will bear fruit. You will bear more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that lasts. Why? Because this will give glory to my Father when you bear fruit. Gives glory to God when we bear fruit, when we're fruitful in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 6 and 7, Paul is writing to this church and saying, some water, some plant, but God brings the growth. So some water, some plant, but it's God that brings the growth, not man. It is only God that brings the increase. It's only God that allows us to increase in Him and Him to increase in us and through us. It's God brings the growth, and it's God alone that brings the growth. But we need to align our hearts and our lives so growth can come. So I want to talk about positioning ourselves. How do we continue to position ourselves? I know a number of people might have words for 2020. I'm not opposed to that. But oftentimes we forget the basics, and it's from the basics that everything begins to continue to grow. As we take hold of the current word that God has for us. We align our hearts. And Luke 8, turn, turn there again. Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower. And he said, the seed that falls in good soil will what? Produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. So in a sense, when we align our hearts or continue to align our hearts or position ourselves for growth. There's good soil for God to put the seed within us and to bring the growth. All right, so I'm going to go through some stuff, and I'm only going to major on two because we don't have time. And this is just things that I found in my own life, and I'm not saying they're the only things. Please understand, probably many of you have other things that I felt God bring to my attention has had to work in my life and is currently working in my life. I don't have it all together, trust me. Ask my wife. She can tell you I really don't have it all together. But my desire is always to honor him. And if our desire is to honor him and to say, God, you do what only you can do, he does it. He brings the growth. He deals with what he needs to deal with in our own lives. And so I encourage you, allow God to highlight one or two things. Allow him to highlight one or two things. For the season you're in today, it'll be different for every person. Allow him to take one or two things And highlight them to you and say, God, this is what you're highlighting to me. So if you're highlighting it to me, it's what you want to continue to do in my life and through my life. And we go through seasons, we change. So that's why it highlights different things at different places. All right. So the first one is, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one because this is a very important one, in my estimation, is the unseen affects the scene. The unseen affects the scene. In Hebrews, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. I know people struggle with how creation came in, but there it is right there. So what we cannot see, God created. He spoke and it came into being. The unseen realm that we cannot see with our natural eye impacts the realm we live in, impacts our lives, has influence on our lives. And as Christians, we need to be very aware of it. So we just stay alert. It's like the wind. There's wind, but you can't see the wind, but you see the impact of the wind. Amen. There's sound waves. We can't see the sound waves, but we yeah, the impact of the sound waves. So that unseen realm of the wind that we cannot see, we see the impact it's having. The unseen realm affects this realm. And it's very important. And the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens. Plural. No one. Heavens. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, I was taken up to the third heaven. So if was taken to the third heaven, there's a first and second heaven. In Psalm 115:16 16, says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth is given to mankind. In Psalm 108:5 it says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. All right, so if we can throw up the three heavens, please, Dwayne, thank you. Okay, the third heaven is the habitation of God. God is enthroned there. Angels are ministering there. The Bible says we are seated there. In Ephesians 2.6, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms. So in the Spirit, you live on this earth, but you're actually seated there. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Hello. We're seated there. That's what the Bible says. He raised us up and seated us. I'll read it to you. You can go read it. Ephesians 2, 6. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So that's where we're seated. Although we can't see it but that. But we live here. But my heart, my spirit is there. If I can put it that way. Okay? Next realm. The second realm. It's the habitation of Satan and his fallen angels. It's a spiritual battleground. It's the kingdoms of this earth are controlled from there. The will of God is always resisted. In the third heaven, the will of God never resisted. You don't see the Lord calling the angels and saying, do this. And the angel says, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> Not at all. It's never resisted. Yes, we resisted. And I've got a whole pile of scriptures to tell you about this. this second heaven. If you read Ephesians, and I'll read one or two so you can see. Sorry, I should have put them up, and I didn't, because it's very important we understand this. So Ephesians 2, verse 2 says this. Verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Ephesians 6, 12 and 13 says, We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers and rulers in heavenly places. The second heaven. Okay? Jesus spoke about it. He says, The prince of the air is coming, but he has no hold on me. And I must do my father's glory. And then in John 16, he says, Now as the time has come where I must go to the cross so righteousness will be revealed And judgment will come, not on people, but on that heaven over there. Judgment will come on the evil one. You with me? In 1 John 3, 8, Jesus says, For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the work of the evil one. In other words, all what is happening there, to begin to have dominion over it. Let's go to the first heaven. The first heaven is the habitation of man. It's the kingdoms of this world. It's angels serving you. It's angels that serve the devil. They're also working on this place. It's the kingdom of God is within us. So, it's strange if you can put all three together. That will be helpful. I sent him a whole hodgepodge, and he's done a great job of just putting them all together. Thank you. Oh, you can't put all three. All right. So, in the third heaven, you have God. Second heaven, where it's literally just above the surface of the earth where the dominion of darkness rules and reigns. And then you have the first heaven where we are seated. But we live here, but my heart is in the third heaven. Now, remember when Jesus walked the earth and he said, Who do people say I am? And some said, "You say, John the Baptist and Elijah. And then to Peter he said, Well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, you with me? And then what did he say? On this revelation, I will build my church. That I'm the Lord, the King. I'm the Christ, the Messiah. On this revelation, I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said that twice. Matthew 16, Matthew 18. Both times you mentioned the church. This is what the Amplified says. I will give you the keys... The authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, will already have been bound in heaven, in the second heaven, not in the third. I'm giving you the keys. You seated with me. If you align your heart with me, you allow me to work in you and through you. When you obey my word, I will give you the keys of the heaven That what I have bound in the second heaven, I'll give you authority to bind here on earth. The first heaven. And wherever I've loosed in the third heaven, my goodness, my grace, my healing, my love, my mercy, I will give you the authority to loose here on earth. That's what he's saying. So that's where the battle is in the second heaven. It's never here on earth. It's never against people. But unfortunately, we get blinded so we don't see sometimes how the evil one is working in us and through us, even as Christians. But God knows. So God allows us. He brings revelation. He allows us to say, ah, that's not the way I'm supposed to respond. Ah, that's not the way I'm supposed to respond to that person. You with me? It's very important we understand this. Very important. We have given authority if we align our hearts with the Lord and he allows the kingdom to grow within us. He gives us the dominion to declare his authority here on earth. As we speak his word, as we speak what is true in my heart, as I speak it with faith, it has impact and begins to work here on this earth and undo the work of the evil one. In people's lives on this earth. The unseen affects the seen. It's very important we understand it. In the Old Testament, we have far more examples of it. Where we see Daniel went to pray. You know the story. To go and fast and pray before the Lord. Daniel 9 and 10. And after 21 days, the angel came to Daniel and said, Listen, from the first day you set your heart to the Lord. I was sent, but I was stopped By the prince of Persia. Not a physical prince, the prince in the heavenly. I was stopped, literally stopped. And the Bible, go read it. The Bible says, so I went back and called Michael, the archangel of warfare, and there was a heavenly battle that took place while you were praying, and you didn't even know about it. So that gives me a huge key. When you start to get on your knees and pray, something happens there that sometimes we don't aware about it. But you're changing something. Hallelujah. Very important. The unseen affects the seen. All right. So that's the first one. The second one, the kingdom of God is advanced through confrontation. In other words, what God has promised to give you doesn't just automatically come to you. You've got to go sometimes and stand in the Lord or begin to persevere or begin to advance and take hold of that which is stopping the promise coming. What do I mean? Let me explain some examples, some scriptures. June one eight. See, I've given you. What tense is that in? Past tense. So in the Lord's eyes, it's past. I've given you this land. Now, go in and take possession of it. They needed wisdom and how to do that. And God gave them the wisdom. That's why they said march around Jericho. That's how you do this battle. That battle, you don't march around Jericho. You do that. So the Lord shows us his ways. The next scripture, Dwayne, if you don't mind. Sit out now and cross the Aaron Gord. See, I've given into your hand Shion, the, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. But the victory is already done. The victory is ours, just as the song we sang. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was a confronter. He confronted the religious demons. He confronted the works of darkness. That's what he did. But he released the love of God and the power of God and the grace of God. And I find for this one, what for me, it requires long obedience in the same direction. So God speaks to me and I say, all right, Lord. But then two days later, I don't have the same feeling, but I must still be obedient to what he originally said. It's long obedience in the same direction. Amen. All right, number three, we've got to go through this faster. Be assured of your salvation and settle the issue of your sonship. Be assured of your salvation that you're a child of God and that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High. Settle that. And settle it, don't settle it on the basis of your behavior. I'm not condoning bad behavior. You settle it on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's what you settle it on. Because I can be good 99 days and then 100 days. I'm bad, if you know what I mean. My wife can, maybe I'm bad 199 days, a good one day, I don't know. But anyway. Okay, stand firm in your position of acceptance. Don't fight for acceptance. You have acceptance from the Lord. When you gave your life to him, you surrendered to him and said, Jesus, I believe in you. Come and be Lord of my life. Settle that. It's done, people. You're a child of God. Don't have to fight for it again. Amen. Okay, the next one. Thank you, Dwayne. We have to begin to understand in our own lives how the anointing works in us and begin to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that now does the work within us. The Holy Spirit that works through us. And so if we begin to recognize how the Holy Spirit works in my life, it helps profusely to begin to side with Him and agree with Him. And the way He does it in Jen's life, and it's very hard work, I know, but the way He does it in... Sorry, my son's not here, so... The way He does it in Jen's life is different to the way He'll do it in my life. So I can't tell her what to do. Let the Lord tell her what to do. That's how Jesus operated. And you can see the scriptures there. They were born of the Spirit. They were powered by the Spirit. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So you develop that. You develop it over a period of time. Develop and understand the impulse and move of the Holy Spirit in your life and through your life. I put it this way. Practice the presence of God in your life. Just practice the presence of God. And He will lead you. He will guide you. Man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his steps. That's what happens. How many of you have made plans and then it hasn't worked out that way? <laughs> All of us. But you say, thank the Lord it didn't go that way. Thank the Lord it went that way. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's carry on. Next one. The voice of the Father. It needs to be the loudest voice in your life. The voice of the Father. I don't want to speak a lot about it. But for me, that's the key of your Christian walk. You're in the voice of your Father. It's not a loud voice. It's a very gentle voice sometimes. Very gentle. So we can miss it because we get caught up with stuff. How many of you have been watching, just watching TV? Sorry, Josh. seen the Patriots lose because I know he's a big fan. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say that. Sorry. (laughs) But as you're watching it, you just all of a sudden feel God say something to you or reveal something to you. Haven't you felt that? That's the voice of the Father. Even as you're watching sport, speak to you. I would encourage you, don't let that go past. If you need to get up, just get up and go write it down because you'll forget it. Or just excuse yourself for 10 minutes and just go spend time with him. I'm encouraging you to do that. I really am. That's how he does it. There's nothing you wrong with the TV. Well, it depends what you watch on TV. Are you with me? All right, next one. And if I may say this, whatever the Father tells you and whatever becomes real in your life, I encourage you to let it come out of your mouth. You're not going to say it to claim it. There was that teacher many years ago, name it and claim it. I'm not talking that. The Bible says we have a good confession. We have a biblical confession. And whatever you're going to walk into has to come out of your mouth first. That's why the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's very key. Life is, the power of life and death is where? Yeah. Yeah. I know I've done this before, but I feel I need to do it now because somebody said it. It's very important. Can I have Josh and um Tommy? Tommy, thank you, sorry. This is very important. Sorry, Tommy. I've just known him for I actually married this young man, so enough Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. All right. Charlie. Josh. To Carly. That's, thank you. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> the Bible says every matter has to be established by two or three testimonies. Every matter. Jesus repeated it a couple of times. Matthew 18, Paul repeated it. Every matter has to be established by the testimony of two or three. What do I mean by that? If we took up an offering here, and as we're walking out, and I'll use Josh because I know it won't happen, and I happen to follow Josh, and he's taking the money and putting it in his pockets. And I run and I say, I don't know, Kevin, I mean, because Kevin's bigger than him. Kevin, Kevin, you can't (laughs) believe what Josh is doing. He's taking the money and putting it in his pockets. So, Kevin says, Well, did anybody else yet? So he calls him, calls me. It's his word against mine. You can't establish a matter. Who's telling the truth? So, we need another witness. We need another testimony. So, he's going to play God. Just this once. He's going to play the devil. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be you and me, children of God. So, God comes to us and says, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm victorious. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I have a wonderful future for you. The devil comes and says, I know what you did in your past. I know what you're still struggling with. And he begins to sow these doubts in us. That's one witness. That's one witness. What I speak is the second witness. That's what I walk in. If I speak what he God is saying, I walk in it. If I speak what the devil is saying, that's what begins to happen in my life. All right, so the voice of the Father. Thank you. Cultivating a prayer life. There's a whole lot of scriptures again up there. There's actually 11 scriptures where it says Jesus went to be alone. I'm just showing you Jesus modeled it for us, that we need to develop a prayer life. Everybody's prayer life is different. Develop a prayer life. And the meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God, not so much hold of the answers. And we get hold of God. Because He works in our heart then. Yeah. Amen. Because sometimes we pray things that maybe is not beneficial right at that particular point in time. All right. So develop a prayer life. Next one. Thank you, Dwayne. Where you look determines where you live. I want to touch. Just spend a little more time on this. This is very important. Because... In our privilege of traveling to many churches, I find this bugs people a lot. Because people look back. They look back at their failings. They look back at the past. They look back where they got hurt. They look back where they got offended. And nowhere in the Bible does God say, Look back, other than remember what I did. Just look forward. Look up, look forward. Where you look inside your heart. In other words, what do you repeatedly think about? What do you repeatedly think about? That's where you live. That's where you'll live. Please don't allow your past to determine your future. I'm encouraging you. I know you know this. Don't allow your past, don't allow the shortcomings, your mess ups, your mistakes, your blunders to determine your future. Let God determine your future. I'm encouraging you strongly. I'm an uneducated African. I come from South Africa. I barely passed grade 12. I'm not proud of it, I'm just being honest. That's what happened. I got saved at 33, where God just intervened in my life very dramatically. It turned my life around. Never in a million years would I thought I'd be living in America 50 miles from the capital of this great nation. Never. I can still picture myself playing in the back garden. Never that wouldn't even have entered my brain because I didn't think it was possible. All things are possible with God. All things are possible. When I got saved, a brief two minute testimony, a church down in Cape Town heard what had happened to me because it was very dramatic for me. And so the pastor of that church, was a Presbyterian church today, they needed a youth pastor. But in order to be a youth pastor of that church, you had to have a degree. And you had to have an ability to sing. And <laughs> that's it at all. That's it. Those that know me know that. That's not one of my abilities. In other words, worship, because they wanted somebody to lead the youth in worship. I have neither. So the guy who was leading the church said, Listen, just p- apply anyway. Twelve people applied, they put mine at the bottom, obviously. They went through the pile. It was a calling committee. There were 10 of the people in the committee, and they went through this pile. They phoned four people. They interviewed three people. One said yes. He phoned them the day before. He said, no, I don't want the job. They were only left with one sheet of paper in front of them. It was mine. And they just said, well, if nobody else wants the job, so will you come and do it? <laughs> Hello? Are you with me? Can you sing? Definitely not. Do you have a degree? No. A degree in other stuff, yes, but not in what to Never, never put a ceiling on your life. Please, I'm encouraged. Don't let your past determine your future. Because you're sealing yourself. And the devil will try all he can to speak to your mind, to put that ceiling on you. I'm shy. I am a shy person. My family knows that. There's my daughter sitting there. I am. For me to stand up there is not easy. But That's what God's called me to do. Hello. So I can't allow my shyness to get in the way of what God wants me to do. So I'm just being brutally honest. I mean, I've been preaching for I don't know how many years. When I finish here, your mind plays mind games. I should have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have left that out. Those who preach know what I'm you die a thousand deaths. And you think, oh, no, not again. But I want to be what God wants me to be. So I've got to confront the shyness in me at times. That's what I'm talking about confront. Are you with me? In a biblical way. It's 20 Hebrews, quickly. If you could you give me another 10 minutes. I love the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is a hall of faith. And Hebrews 11, if you can go to verse 13, this is what it said. All these people, and it talks about Abram and Isaac and Jacob. That's what it, if you read the verses before, that's what the Hebrews 11 is. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Because God had promised them a land. But they never, in a sense, inherited the land. But they were living by faith. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So let me say this to you to help you understand verse. Those of you who are born again, I promise you, the day your body dies, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. Look forward to that. And it's not going to determine on you. It's determined on what he's done for you. Hallelujah. So they only saw a welcome from a distance. And they admitted that there were aliens and strangers in the world. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. Isn't that amazing? If they continue to look back, they would never have gone forward. That's what the scripture is saying there. Let's go to verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. He refused to have a label put on him. Don't allow labels to be put on you because then we think we're to live because of that label. Let me, my, my daughter-in-law, let me think of a label. Chen, uh, help me, yeah, help me. <laughs> Sorry, we've had many, I'm sure. many. We, people put labels on us, unfortunately, just to help. They don't mean you'll never sing. She grows up. You'll never sing. I heard you singing when you were showering. Uh, Cut it. It's a label. Now imagine you should listen to that. Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, because he knew he wasn't the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was an Israelite. Hallelujah. Refuse to be labeled and live by that label. Let God determine who you are. Verse 20, last verse, verse 26, it says this. Verse 24, 's okay. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead to... By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's where the unseen is determining the scene there. He saw something of Christ. And that determined what he did. He was looking ahead. He was looking ahead. Please don't live in your past. Sort it out if you need to. But don't let it determine who you are. That's all I'm saying. All right, live healed. Please live healed. Live with forgiveness in your heart. All the scriptures are there. Very vital. Very vital. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. All the scriptures are there. You have to let things go. Please don't take an offense. You have to deal with the offense. If you like me and you've lived on this face of the earth, you will get offended. Trust me, you'll get offended by your spouse, by your children, by your colleagues, by your boss. Not because they're meant to offend you, because you will take an offence. And you can't live there, you've got to let it go. Because that just boxes us. It really does. Unforgiveness. Forgive, 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 forgive. How many have been married more than a week? <laughs> then you know what it means to forgive. All right. Hallelujah. Alright, maybe a day, I don't know. All right. <clears throat> Next one, gratitude. You position yourself when we have a heart of gratitude of thankfulness. Israelites moaned and complained, and they never entered the inheritance. A heart of gratitude, Clayton's preached in this far better than I can ever express. It just opens up the spirit realm to you, just opens up things for you when you live with gratitude. Just thankfulness, thankfulness. My wife, uh, we were just sitting, just, um, when was it? New Year's Eve. Uh, we were just thanking the Lord for the past year, and then she said, you know what we should do? Because we couldn't remember some of the things of the past year, and she said, I think we should make a gratitude jar. Call it 2020, and whenever we're grateful for something, I write it down a piece of paper and just put it in the jar. Because then it helps you remember at the end of the year, oh, look what God did this, and little things, even little things. So i got my in-law staying with me, my brother-in-law and his wife, and I'm thankful. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> don't worry. We? we get on very well. We get on very well. But, um, yeah, so we, it's just be grateful. I encourage you to be grateful. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Next one, faithfulness. I don't want to say a lot about that. Just be faithful what God's given you, faithful what He's put in your hands, faithful what He's called you to. Even in the small things, there's many scriptures on that. Number 11, please stay submitted and committed. Submitted and committed. There is a that Psalm 92 says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree they will grow like the cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord they will flourish You only flourish if you planted So we only flourish if we planted planted means to be part of something planted in the house of planted in a local church submitted and committed. I know you're sitting here, so I'm speaking to the converted. But I think, when we're born on the face of this earth, we were born into a family. We're part of something. When we're born again by the Lord Jesus, He puts us into a family, a local church somewhere. Because steel sharpens steel. And so we need to be submitted and Committed. If Joshua wasn't submitted to Moses, he would never have walked into his inheritance. It's a principle here. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Honor your leadership. Same principle. That's why David is such a great example. Because Saul wasn't a great leader. But we don't find David tearing him down in any form or any way. In actual fact, when he tore a little part of his robe off, he, David repented. When Saul died, David could have said, oh, I'm free at last. He didn't. He lamented for seven days because he understood what it means to live under leadership. Now, leadership Authority is invited. You can never impose it. It's invited into our life. We can't impose it on people. Amen. But it's important we understand this because God works with families. Not, he works in an individual, but he puts them in family because we walk into our inheritance together not as an individual. I hope I'm making myself understood here. I feel like I'm not getting it through properly. But it seems it's a lot I can teach on you. But anyway, there's the Hebrews. All right, let's carry on. Worship, I don't want to say much about that. Clayton has done an incredible job in the worship, all right? Lifestyle of worship, just a lifestyle of worship. The Word of God, we've got three minutes left. It's very important to get the Word in you. There's all the scriptures there, to live by the Word, to allow the Word to abide in you. To be able to spend time in the word, to get the word in you. It's very important. And the word always comes in seed form. Remember that. It doesn't come in its fullness. But it has all the ability in the seed to produce what it needs to produce. That's Isaiah 55 text. Four more. Claim nothing. In other words, remain open-handed. What did I put there? Be content. Sorry, go back. Be content with and without. I encourage you, there's the scripture that Paul said he learned. Amazing that he said he learned to be content with and without. And so you learn contentment because the peace of Christ is within It's not on what we own. So we, it's hard. You've got to learn that, to learn to be content. So I would just say remain open-handed because everything we have, he's given to us. Even the ability to make money, he gave to us. Hello? All right. He didn't quite give me that ability, but anyway. (laughs) But he has. It's a gift from God. And so we remain open-handed. We steward it well, but we say, Lord, it's yours. If you want to shift it, shift it. Next one. Responding to accusation and criticism. Just a brief testimony on this one. In our church back in South Africa, there was a period where, like in most churches, you just go through one or two rough patches. And there were some people that were just, uh, how do I put this, Uh, put it this way, I wasn't a favorite in their eyes. I don't know how to say it. And uh, you hear things. And I felt like God give me this scripture. And he said to me, Ken, I want you to keep your mouth shut. I got accused of having an affair. Two in actual fact, so I went and told my wife, you know, I've had two affairs, but anyway. <laughs> and it was not true. And I thought God say, He gave me the scripture. He said, Ken, keep your mouth shut. Do not try and vindicate yourself. That is difficult. Trust me, particularly when you feel you're feeling in the right. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like I told you so. <laughs> And God vindicates us, and it takes time and takes patience. But I'm positioning my heart now with him. That's what I'm doing. And then he brings the gloves. Two more. Invest in others with wisdom. Just invest in others, serve others, help others where the opportunity comes. I encourage you. And the last one, responding to adversity. Because we have adversity come into our lives, and Paul had lots of adversities. And you can see what he says there in that scripture. But he asked the Lord to take this adversity from him. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he says, "Um, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. Who would like that scripture? (laughs) For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I encourage you, when you're going through a tough time, read that scripture. God will bring you through. He is a victory. He is victorious. He turns evil for good. Amen. So I trust this is helpful. This aligns us, position ourselves for God continue to bring the growth and increase in our lives and through our lives. So, if you feel God spoke to you, highlighted one or two of them. Why don't you stand? The reason why I'm asking you to stand is you're saying, God... I agree with you. I want to say yes. Just one or two, three, I don't know. And just saying, Lord, you something, you did something, yeah, you highlighted something to me. So, Father, I thank you. If you can close your eyes, I thank you for your people. And I thank you that it's a work of your hand. It's by grace. It's by grace and grace alone. And what you've highlighted to your people. I thank you that you'll give them the ability and even the know-how how to walk in this. Father, do not let the seed be stolen. Do not let the lie of the enemy come and dilute it in any form or any way. Let your word be deposited. Your truth For you said, Jesus, if we know your truth, we will be free. We will be free. So I pray even now, just even as your presence has been with us, by the power of your Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you the way you're positioning us. We thank you for the increase in our lives and through our lives. We thank you for the greater testimonies we're going to hear about of what you're doing in people and through people. We thank you. We thank you for you are a good God. And we choose today to say, Lord, we position ourselves afresh For growth, continued growth into the future. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.